highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And so now we have these 28 years. Now their worlds collide. Let's read just the verses uh, 1 through 12, and then we'll get into it. Notice what it says. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he of who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. In the beginning of chapter 3, Matthew introduces us to one of the most fascinating characters of the New Testament. This was the John born to Zacharias and Elizabeth, whose miraculous birth to this old couple was announced, along with his call to be the forerunner of the Messiah. John the Baptist's message was a call to repentance. He told his listeners to make a change of the mind, not merely to feel sorry for what they have done. Repentance speaks of change of direction, not a sorrow in the heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew. All right, good morning. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 3. Last week we've been going through, uh, we went through Matthew's Gospel chapter 2 and we looked at the life of Jesus, kind of in a chronological fashion. Uh, It's important to understand the the details concerning Jesus' birth. And certainly, uh, this morning, as we look at chapter 3, bear in mind that between chapter 2 of Matthew and chapter 3 is about 28 years. (laughs) And I say that because Jesus began his ministry about 30 years of age, and the last thing we heard in uh, verse, uh, what is it, 16 of uh, chapter 2, is Jesus was around two years old, roughly two years old, when Herod, remember, sent out the decree to have all of the kids killed because uh, Herod was an egomaniac, obviously didn't want Jesus uh, cutting in on his business, cutting in on his reign and his rule. And so there's about 28 years between chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Matthew. Now, the other gospels fill in the blanks. At least uh, a little bit. We we remember when we were in Luke, we looked at the only other time other than Jesus' birth. It it fast-forwards from when he was two years old until he was 12 years old. And uh, we saw him in the temple um, disputing with uh, the, the doctors of the law and the Pharisees and the scribes. And he was there. But from 12 years old until 30 years of age, there's nothing recorded in the Bible. And the reason for that is simple because he simply went back to Nazareth where Mary and Joseph, where they lived, and he submitted himself to his mom and dad. And remember that Joseph was a carpenter, and so Jesus naturally would help his dad in his carpentry business. So Jesus was there growing in stature and growing in favor. 
and, and everything like that, but the Bible doesn't speak of anything. And now in chapter 3, after 28 years of really nothing other than that event where Jesus was in the temple at 12 years of age, now all of a sudden the, the lives of Jesus and this character that we're going to look at today, John the Baptist, they collide. Now remember that John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus because, remember, six months prior to Mary becoming impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God to give birth to Jesus, remember that the the angel Gabriel told Mary that her relative, Elizabeth, was also, um, she had already been uh, pregnant with her husband, Zacharias, for about, uh, you know, six months. And so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and is there until the baby is born and John the Baptist is born. Now, John the Baptist, is his last name is not Baptist. And neither was he a Baptist. Nothing against Baptist people, you know, the congregation, of, you know, the denomination. But he wasn't a Baptist either. He was a Jew. And he, um, and he believed in Jesus. He believed in his... And get this, his cousin Jesus... Claim to be Almighty God. Now, is there anybody in the world that would know for sure whether Jesus' claim to deity was true than those who lived with him and that knew him very well? And certainly John, uh, John the Baptist, uh, even though he lived down in, in, the, in Judea with his family, uh, or at least that's where he was born, you know, they had many opportunities to see each other. And so now we have these 28 years, now their worlds collide. Let's read just the verses uh, 1 through 12, and then we'll get into it. Notice what it says. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he of who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. How about that? That's kind of interesting. Nice vegetarian plate, sort of. And then Jerusalem, and, and, uh, excuse me, um, then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, notice, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to the baptism, he said, brood of vipers. That's a nice way to introduce people or to address them, especially the high and mighty. (laughs) Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Indeed, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, unquenchable fire, a pretty solemn address he gives to the religious leaders. And you know, Jesus was never easy on those who claimed to know him, but were not representing him well at all. 
He was very gracious to everyone who was uh, stuck in their sin, really desiring to lift, be lifted up out of this place. And he was compassionate to those who were really struggling. But the problem he had with religious people is because they claimed something that they were not. And we know what those people are called. They're called hypocrites. They're play actors. They're people who claim to do something, but are really something else. They're playing a part, but it's not really genuine in their heart. And God is looking for genuineness in each of our hearts. And so, just like Jesus, John the Baptist is very stern with the religious leaders. Because they were the ones that were supposed to be pointing people to Christ. They, and in fact, if truth be known, they were the ones who should have been pointing to John the Baptist. Certainly they read Malachi. Certainly they knew the miraculous way that John was born. All these things should have piqued their curiosity. And had they just looked into their own, their own scriptures, they would be able to understand there's something unique about this. Wait, you mean, you mean the, the, the angel Gabriel not only spoke to Elizabeth and Zacharias, but also to Mary? Well, there's something with these two children that is really unique. You think that they would have looked into those things, and, and, and that they should have been the ones out there in the desert saying, come and see the one who is the forerunner, this herald of Jesus Christ. A herald is somebody who goes before a magistrate or a king or, or some leader, and they are the ones to proclaim the message, to be the ambassador, to speak speak those things, and to announce the coming of the one who is behind them. That's what a herald does. And sometimes, you know, even in, the, in, in England, they would have the town crier, you know, he would raise his trumpet. That's the idea. A herald is somebody who goes before. And you know what? It's interesting is throughout history, uh, the word of God itself has been a herald to God. The word of God has been a herald to God. And what do I mean? In Psalm 19, what does it say? The heavens declare, there's the word, it proclaims something. It's recording something. It's speaking of the record. And it says the heavens, and this is a Psalm of David, the heavens, it declares, it's proclaiming, it's, it's heralding what? The glory of God. And notice the firmament even shows his handiwork. Any, any educated person will look at the world, the stars, the, the order in which everything is, and, and even where our, our planet is positioned. It's a privileged planet. It's the only one that can survive because of its distance between the sun and, and how far it is away. There's no life on any other planets, folks. So, you know, let NASA spend the billions of dollars, but trust me, if there's life like anything like us or anything similar, they're, they're, we are it. Anything that's out there is demonic in nature, okay? We don't need to go searching for life anywhere. This is it. And Jesus died for the sin of the world. For the world. But he's a herald. John's a herald, but the heavens declare. And notice, day unto day it utters speech. It's speaking to us. The, the constellations, the, even the, the Hebrew Matzeroth, the, the story that is told in the skies, the way the stars, the, the, the plan of redemption, according to the Jews, was written out in the stars. You know, the Pleiades and Orion, all that stuff is, originally was meant to glorify God. And show forth the plan of redemption. But day unto day, this heavens declares the glory. It utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. When you're out in the stars at night, 
And you're looking up and you're seeing the incredible order and the design of God's handiwork. What should it do? It should bring you to an awe of who God is. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Nowhere can you go in the world that somebody is not looking up and going, oh my goodness, there's such order and there's such beauty and everything is in its right place. And why aren't we bombarded by asteroids all the time? What is holding this whole thing together? I'm sure it's just chance. No, it's not chance. It's Almighty God. And what does one uh, John the Apostle in his first epistle, he says, that which we was from the beginning, which we have heard, notice, which we have seen with our own eyes, that, we, that which we have looked upon, that our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now John here is obviously speaking of Jesus, but he, even John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, he too is heralding, speaking, announcing who this is. He says, the life was manifested and we have seen it and we bear witness, and we declare it to you. That's the idea. That eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And all of these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So John the Apostle was a herald of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God has been heralding Jesus Christ. Finally, in Romans chapter 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. They hold back the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. In our hearts, we know that God exists. In our hearts, he has planted a conscience. And when we violate that conscience, we are violating the very thing that God placed in us. We know inherently that it's wrong to murder, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to lie. All of these things we know inherently God has placed it there and the law of God supports it and makes us accountable. But notice what it says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. He's shown it to them. We, we are really naked before God. We have no excuse for anything that we do. The word of God has been heralding the very glory of God and certainly Jesus Christ. And it's amazing to consider the great lengths that God has gone throughout the ages. He brought salvation and knowledge of Jesus to the human race. He's carefully arranged it and put it all together. Notice that over a thousand years, over a few thousand years actually, he has spoken or communicated directly to the patriarchs, to the prophets of old, and made sure that it was written down for us to to look at and examine and to teach. And then finally, when the time came for Jesus to be incarnate, what happened? God uh, sent, he used angels and even a celestial body, a star, to accomplish his purposes. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows, or the firmament shows forth his handiwork. And now, after 30 years of that, God uses the life of John the Baptist to herald the coming of the Messiah. And John the Baptist, he was like that herald going out before the king of kings. And the fact that Jesus' own cousin was willing to be beheaded gives great credibility to John's John's, uh, claims of Jesus' deity. What does the Bible tell us? It says in Romans, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, 
Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And John the Baptist was willing to die for Jesus, for this cousin, that he would know whether he was truly God or not. But one of the interesting things about Matthew's gospel is he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about Jesus or excuse me John the Baptist's birth. In fact, in Luke's gospel, it's the only one that really goes in great length about the very beginning of John the Baptist and the, all the events surrounding his life. But as far as Matthew is concerned, as we've been looking at John's ministry, John the Baptist's ministry was only important in the sense that he was the herald of the Messiah fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures. Matthew's gospel, was he, he made it so that people could see that he is the rightful heir to the throne. He is the coming Messiah. And among other things, Matthew would accomplish this by, in his gospel, showing that Jesus had power over disease. He had power over demonic forces. He had power over men. He had power over nature, the power to forgive, power over the traditions of man, power over death and darkness, and the power to delegate authority. All of these things we will see in this gospel. But only the Messiah could do those things. And so Matthew is saying, here it is. It's heralding, and now John the Baptist comes on the scene. And we're not going to uh, look at, sorry about that, we're not going to this morning look at uh, the, the, the complete life of John the Baptist, but we will only look at those scriptures that follow along with Matthew's theme, specifically speaking of the messianic nature of John's life. But there's a few things that we ought to know about John before we get into this. Uh, Turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel, and we'll look at chapter 1. And I'm just going to read some verses out of chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, let's just look at the first verse. I'm sorry, the the first chapter, beginning in verse 5. Just so we know who John is. It says, there was in the day, verse 5, of King Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Notice, blameless. These people were, were Levites, and they were blameless. And notice verse 7, but they could have no child because Elizabeth was barren, And they were both well advanced in years. Isn't that amazing? God saw them as righteous. They were blameless. It doesn't mean they were perfect, but they were very serious about their walk with God. And yet, one of the biggest scars of a a woman in that culture was to be barren. And yet God would allow this woman to grow into be a very aged woman, not having children And that was a curse to some people. And yet God calls them righteous and blameless. So much for the prosperity gospel, right? That says, oh, if you come to God, you know, if you come to Christ, everything, oh, he'll give everything to you. You have a a big life, a big car, a fancy house by the lake. All these things he'll give you. and, and, And while you're making all that money, give some to us, right? That's what the television evangelists say. Ah, but that's not what it says here. God called them righteous and blameless, and yet they had a very difficult time. 
and certainly Elizabeth, but now she bears this son. Look at verse 13 through 17. So while Zacharias was serving in the temple, the angel Gabriel comes to him, and he says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his, his mother's womb. And he shall turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Notice that. This was a prophecy about his, his, um, his life of, of being a herald. This is what he was going to do. Before he was even born, the plan for his life had already been established. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him, speaking of God, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Notice, to make a people ready, prepared for the Lord. Now go to verse 67. So we have a little bit of an understanding of John the Baptist, his role, what God had designed for his life. But in verse 67, Zacharias, now able to speak after over nine months, because God had made him mute, because he didn't believe that they could have a child in old age. And he says, you know what? Love you, Zacharias. But here's going to be a sign. And, 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 the, and the Lord allowed him to be mute for over nine months until John was born. And so finally now he speaks. And what is one of the first things that comes out of his mouth? Prophecy, not only about Jesus. And if we look at verse 67 through 75, we're not going to read that. But it speaks all about this coming one, meaning Jesus. It's all about Jesus, verse 67 through 75. But then he gets to verse 76, and he looks down at his son, probably in his arms, and he says, And you, child, John, you will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Again, a prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, which we'll look at. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Speaking of Jesus. The day spring from on high. That's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what? To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. If you look at verses 76 through 79, there's three Old Testament references that are mentioned. And you can see them on the screen, but they're Isaiah 40, verse 3, Malachi 3, verse 1, and Isaiah 9, verse 2. You can go back and read that passage and look at those scriptures and see how they align with the, with the narrative here. And so it's very interesting, very interesting now go with me to John's Gospel. We're going to look at chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 6. It tells us there that John the Baptist, he came for a light. He came to bear witness to the light, not that he was the light. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, and the, the word there is martyrio, which means to give evidence or report or to testify. Again, a herald. Yes, John the Baptist. He came to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Notice light is capitalized, and that light is Jesus Christ. 
He came to bear witness of Jesus Christ. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.